Hello, this is Cordelia. Welcome to We Heal Together, and thanks so much for tuning in. This is a two-part podcast episode series on codependency. So this first episode, I'm going to walk you through what codependency is, the signs of codependency, where it comes from, and a few other things. Next Monday for part two, we're going to focus on recovery and healing from codependency. As always, be sure to check out the show notes for all my citations for the episode, as well as more information on me, links to resources, things like that. If you like the content, please be sure to follow me on my Instagram, which is at Codependent Recovery. If you're going through a breakup or divorce, I wanted to let you know some exciting news. I recently published a 98-page workbook, which I'm going to talk a little bit more about at the end of the episode, but the ebook version is currently for sale. The link is in the show notes as well. I hope you guys enjoy that, and I'm excited to get into today's episode, so let's get healing. Like I said, today's episode is really tackling codependency and just breaking down exactly what it is and kind of going through the background information. The next episode, so next week's episode, is going to be on healing and recovery. But the reason I set it up this way and broke it into two different episodes is I feel like in order to change a behavior or you know, really understand how to recover from codependency, you really, first of all, need to understand where it is. So to change unhealthy behavior, we need to understand it. That is why next Monday's episode, we are going to focus on the healing. So let's break this down. Number one, we're going to start with what is codependency? It is sometimes referred to as love addiction or relationship addiction or an addiction to approval, pursuit of approval. Codependency is a psychological concept and it refers to people who feel extreme amounts of preoccupation and dependence on another person in their life and feel responsible for the feelings and actions of those other people. I thought this was pretty interesting that codependency is not recognized as a distinct personality disorder by any version of the DSM, including the DSM-5, which is the most recent version. Codependency impacts a person's ability to have a healthy and mutually satisfying relationship. People with codependency often form or maintain relationships that are one-sided and emotionally destructive or abusive. So when codependency kind of first came about, the term was used to describe 
somebody who was living with or in a relationship with an addicted person. They, as time went on, it was noted that these same kind of patterns were seen in people in relationships with chronically or mentally ill individuals. So originally, you know, it was looked at in this lens, this lens of addiction and what I've just gone through. And now the definition of codependency has really evolved over time. And it's come to really be used to define the maladaptive dependence on people and things outside of self to provide a sense of self-esteem, identity, and purpose. So at this point, it's really just where you're focusing on others to escape your own feelings and avoiding responsibility for your own self and happiness. So where exactly does codependency come from? Codependency is a learned behavior, so it can be passed from generation to generation. And it's going to be learned by imitating other family members who display this behavior. So it's really not surprising then that most codependent people come from dysfunctional families. So what exactly is a dysfunctional family? This can be an emotionally or psychologically disturbed family system, physically or verbally or sexually abusive family system, a fundamentalist or rigidly religious family system, family with any kind of addiction, so any kind of caregivers that are alcoholic or, you know, addicted to some kind of substance or drugs. These kind of families tend to be chaotic and unpredictable. A family where the child just doesn't have their need met as a child. A family where the child has to take on adult responsibilities at a young age. A family with controlling parents, so dominating kind of parents who make the decisions for their children well beyond the age that it's necessary. In a family where a child simply lacked models for what constitutes a healthy, respectful relationship, and that could either be a parent-child relationship, a romantic relationship, or a friendship as well. So it's important to note, you know, no family is perfect. Most families are going to have different time periods where you're stressed out and there are circumstances that are impacting the family unit, such as maybe there's a death of a family member or maybe somebody gets seriously ill. However, healthy families tend to return to normal functioning after that crisis period is over. So in dysfunctional families, it's really chronic. It's not just like this little thing happened, or not little, but this, this event happened, and now we're, we're going through a tough time because that's life. It is, this is a constant state of dysfunction. And again, all families and all people 
have some kind, some degree of tension and fighting and yelling. And I just want to be sure that there's a distinction because in healthy families, emotional expression is allowed and family members are encouraged to each be themselves and be individuals and rules are consistent. But, you know, there is some flexibility within the rules that are that exist. Each family member would be encouraged to pursue their own interests. Boundaries are important. Children are consistently treated with respect and they don't fear things like emotional, physical, verbal, you know, uh, outrages from their caregivers. And caregivers can be counted on to provide for their kids. And once the children actually reach the appropriate age, they are given freedom and they are not they are not overparented and overprotected. And in healthy families, perfection is fully acknowledged to be unattainable. And it, those kind of pressures are not put on family members. So as you consider whether or not you are codependent, I think it's important to examine the origin. So just as a caveat, if you kind of do some digging on this and you think, okay, well, I don't really identify with this, other ways that codependency can come up and can be formed is maybe you had, outside of your family unit, you have been in some kind of abusive relationship or you have been sexually assaulted or sexually abused. So. Basically, some form of abuse outside of the family as well could be a cause of codependency. In the show notes, I have compiled a bunch of different worksheets and things to help you. I put a whole folder on Google Drive for codependency. I put a whole folder on Google Drive for dysfunctional families. So all of that is there. Feel free to just, you know, that's all free. You just go on there and you can literally just download the worksheets and, you know, it, it's all there for your access and ease. Um, but just to give you some things to think about in case you don't want to go to any worksheets or in case you want to consider some stuff right now, I wrote down some questions to help you think about considerations from your own family of origin. So I'm going to go through them here and then give you, you know, a few, um, like a minute to think about it. And then you can always come back and revisit them later. So here are some questions to ask. How is your family of origin dysfunctional? In your family of origin, was there addiction, mental illness, physical illness, poverty, sexual abuse, physical abuse, something else that I didn't list here, or any combination of those things. Did odd things happen that you began to see as normal over time? Did you have friends? Were they allowed to come over? 
Did family members walk on eggshells around a specific person in the family to avoid explosion? Did your caregivers ever embarrass you or scare you or anger you? What role did you play in your family of origin? Were you happy with that role? What did you not like about that role? And if you could play any role, what would it be? What relationship did your own caregivers have with their parents? In general, what did you think about your family growing up? When you were born, how old were your siblings, if you had any? And how did you feel about the new arrival in the family? Were any of your family members sick enough to require hospitalization? Were any caregivers? Were you separated from any important family members? Were you ever threatened with the boogeyman or the devil if you misbehaved? What makes you feel uneasy as you think about these questions from when you were a child? How did your caregivers punish you? When you think about it, what kind of marriage did you think that your parents had if you were involved or raised in a family um, where there were parents? If they fought, did you resent it? Did it scare you? Were you ever used to break up their fights? Did you ever have to take sides? What were your parents' attitudes about religion? Did you ever feel confused or angry or put off by religion? If you were named after somebody else, what was that person like? Did your family move often? If so, did you make friends and were you having to break off the relationship pretty often due to moving around? Did you have chores in your family? What were they? And were they fair? Could you ever do them to the point of pleasing your parents? Did you feel like your caregivers liked your siblings or maybe even a friend more than you? If you were an only child, how did you feel about that? Did you resent it or did you enjoy it? Did your parents ever want a child of the opposite sex? Like when they had you, let's say, for me, I was born a girl. So in that example, I'm asking, did your parents want a boy? What question so far that I've asked about your childhood has been toughest for you to answer? When you were growing up, how was your social life and what kind of friend were you? Did you participate in any extracurriculars? Why did you participate in them? Like whose idea was it? Or even if it was your idea, what kind of gravitated you toward it? What propelled that decision? Did you like to pick fights? Were you a bully at school? Did anything happen to you in school that was, to this day, that's kind of a continuing source of shame for you? Did your caregivers ever compare you to any family members or friends? And did you resent them for wanting you to be like somebody else? 
How did you get attention from your caregivers? Did you pout? Did you sulk? Were you a good kid? Did you throw a temper tantrum or act goofy or act silly? Were you ever ashamed of your caregivers? Did you ever skip a grade in school and did you have trouble catching up emotionally? So I'm going to pause and give you some time to kind of reflect and think on these things. And again, to note, if you go in my Google Drive that I created for codependent uh, for codependency, you'll see like questionnaires and assessments that you can use and you can do on your own. But just for the sake of going through it on the podcast today, I'm going to just go through some signs for you. Low self-esteem. So that can include things like not liking or accepting yourself finding it hard to be yourself, thinking you're not enough, feeling inadequate, and being concerned a lot about what other people think of you, lacking self-confidence, so you're having trouble making decisions, perfectionism, dependency. This includes things like feeling safe when giving or helping others, fear of being alone or single, feeling trapped if you're in a bad relationship and you feel like you're unable to leave, relying too much on other people's opinions. If you're in a relationship, you tend to lose yourself. You have a fear of abandonment, and that kind of presents itself and displays from your personality. You derive a sense of purpose, and you you boost your self-esteem through extreme self-sacrifice to satisfy the needs of others. You have trouble maintaining a healthy relationship. So this can appear in ways such as believing that other people are responsible for our emotions. You confuse love and pity. You try to change somebody else's behavior. You choose to enter and stay in really lengthy and high-cost caretaking and rescuing relationships despite the cost to you and others. You regularly try to engineer the change of troubled, addicted, or under-functioning people whose problems are really far bigger than your own abilities to fix them. You find yourself being attracted to low-functioning people who are looking for somebody to take care of them. And you have a pattern of engaging in well-intentioned, but ultimately unproductive, unhealthy, helping behavior or enabling. You have difficulty setting boundaries. So this can show up by, you know, trying to please others and you give up yourself. You have a very hard time saying no. You fear change. Codependent people tend to be reactive and reactionary. So you have a lot of emotional reactivity. 
you experience painful emotions such as depression, anxiety, stress, shame, guilt, fear, hopelessness, and despair. There's a lot of denial going on. So you have denial of your own feelings, your needs, your thoughts, and even the fact that you are codependent. There is a lot of caretaking involved, so you feel compelled to take care of people. You have an excessive and unhealthy tendency to rescue and take responsibility for other people. You try to be the helper, so you always want to help. Controlling. So you have a need to control other people or situations as well. You try to change somebody else's behavior and you're really afraid to like let people be who they are and allow events to just transpire naturally obsession so you like worry and think about other people's problems more than your own and you fixate on mistakes a lot and communication issues codependent people have trouble communicating honestly. I want to give you a moment to just reflect on these signs that I've gone through and think what signs and characteristics do you have that fall into any of these categories? to get into today is called the Cartman Drama Triangle. So this triangle comprises of rescuers, persecutors, victims. Dr. Stephen Cartman developed this and he calls it the Drama Triangle in 1968. So just to kind of break down what this would look like in a codependent relationship is one, there's a victim. This is the person who feels hopeless and powerless. They deny any responsibility. They ask for help. And the rescuer is the helper. They enjoy helping. They feel superior by helping the other person. But then they also like start to feel resentful of helping this other person. And eventually they do start to take care of the victim, the person they're helping, even when they're not asked. And then in a codependent relationship, the persecutor role 
is it going to be like, think about it in this triangle as an empty space rather than a third person. So there's this empty space and the victim or the rescuer will jump into that space depending on what the situation is. So the triangle, it's really only made of two people. And there's always going to be one empty space as the roles kind of shift around. So I'm going to give you an example of what this looks like. So the victim is the person who can't help themselves. And the rescuer is the person that feels like they always have to help the victim. So let's say the victim is your son. And your son has a drug problem and you've always just, you know, enabled the behavior before you always help him. And this time he, and you've always been the rescuer and you feel like superior by rescuing this person. So this time your son calls you and he says, hey, I'm in jail and I need you to bail me out. I got arrested on a drug charge. And one of two things happened. So let's go the first route first. You decide, I don't want to help you. I'm not going to help you this time. And you assume you move from the role of being the rescuer and you become the persecutor and you start blaming the victim and you're like you're ridiculous I always help you I always do everything for you and I'm sick of it I'm sick of it you just you make me do everything and you basically shame and shame the victim and so that's an example of you moving from the rescuer and then becoming Becoming the persecutor. Flip that over and let's say your son gets arrested, calls you from jail, but he's not asking to be bailed out. He's just letting you know his whereabouts and he's like, hey, I'm just letting you know I'm fine, but I'm in jail. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get you an attorney. I'm going to bail you out. I'm going to do all this. And in this scenario, your son, the victim in the triangle, would go to the persecutor position and is like, hey, you, I didn't ask you to help me. I'm like, you are crossing the boundary. We've gone over this. I don't want your help. Or let me add a third route that could go. Let's say the victim, the son calls you and is telling you they are in jail and they need your help. And again, like the first scenario, I I said, you're basically like, no, I'm not. I'm sorry, but I'm just, I'm not going to help you. But this time you're not like being mean about it. You're just like, hey, I'm not, I'm just not going to help you. Well, then in this scenario, the victim would go to the persecutor's position. The son would then be saying, 
what? You're such an awful person. I can't believe you won't help me. Blah, blah, blah. And then you move from the rescuer position to the victim position. And you're like, poor me. I just was, I was just, you know, doing the best I could, blah, blah, blah. So you're going to want to think about how I brought this up and I did put on my Google Drive, I put a YouTube video that has a really good explanation of this as well as an illustration of the actual triangle. Um, But it's really important to think about this because, I mean, this happens all the time in different relationships. It's really typical for parent-child relationships. And I mean, this is what happens in a codependent relationship. I've been so guilty of this, you know, where I am doing things and helping people and doing stuff that like nobody asked me to do, but then I'm getting mad when they're not just, you know, so thankful and grateful for this amazing thing that I've done for them. I really like this quote from Codependent No More. At the heart of most rescuers is a demon, low self-worth. We rescue because we don't feel good about ourselves. And all the, although the feelings are transient and artificial, caretaking provides us with a temporary hit of good feelings, self-worth, and power. We don't feel lovable, so we settle for being needed. Next week, we are going to get into a all the kind of healing resources but in the meantime feel free to check out the worksheets I put on Google Drive there is a folder on dysfunctional families there is a folder on codependency be sure to tune in next Monday for part two where I'm going to go through tips on how to recover from codependency remember a new podcast drops every single Monday so always check out be sure to check on Mondays when the episodes drop. If you like the podcast and you want some similar content, please be sure to follow me on Instagram at Codependent Recovery. And also, if you don't mind, I would love if you would follow this podcast so you don't miss an episode. And I also wanted to just expand a little bit on what I told you earlier. I wrote a workbook for people going through divorces or breakups. It's called Let's Heal Together Workbook, the Breakup Edition. It's 97 pages. Currently, the ebook version is for sale. I'm working on the logistics of the print version. I put a link in the show notes if you're interested. I would love and appreciate it so much if you would share that with anybody who's going through a breakup or divorce. I put so much heart into it and I'm really excited to just hear back from people and hear about what you think about it and hear about how it helps you. Um, FYI, Amazon is currently processing it. They said there's like some kind of delay with the ebook publishing. They said it should be resolved within a few days and it's standard according to them, whoever I talked to there. Um, so hopefully that will all be resolved shortly but I put links to I mean it's on tons of different websites so um if you click the link in my bio in my show notes it basically takes you to one page that has all the links to different places you can get it awesome well I had so much fun hanging out with you guys and 
getting into codependency. I'm super excited to see you and talk to you next Monday. Have a great week, friends.